Live on the electronic computer machine. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report, and welcome to another Friday Roundtable Extravaganza. We've got two rookies with me today. That's right, two new voices for you. Joining me today is a British author and journalist, Peter Lloyd, and a reporter for Turning Point USA and a writer for the Post Millennial, Savannah Hernandez. Peter and Savannah, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thank you for having us. Thanks, am, thanks for having me. I've, I, I feel honored as the, uh, the Brit in the room, considering you're all supposed to be racist in America. I feel very blessed. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that even across the pond, you guys are all racist too, and that's gonna be what we're gonna figure out today. But uh, actually, that's a good place to start because Savannah, we played a video of yours earlier in the week. You went viral on the internet because you were out. What, what university was this at? Was that UC Davis? UT Austin in the heart of Texas, sadly. Oh. Oh, that makes it even worse. You're in Texas. Mm -hmm. You're in Texas, although Austin is a little bit of an odd situation in Texas. Uh, and I want to play a portion of this video because basically you go out there, you talk to kids about their privilege and some of the things that they seem to be confused about. And lady, you were doling out red pills. It was absolutely beautiful. Take a look. I, I grew up as a white man and you're the exact opposite, you know? And so it's like my experiences are going to be different from yours. How come? I think, uh, you know, there's a thing of like white privilege. Uh, what privileges do you have that I don't have? Oh, see, that's a question I keep asking myself because like in this day and age, like all the laws, I say all the laws, you know, I'm, it's hard to speak on something I'm not fully knowledgeable of. So like, I'm sorry if I like make a mistake uh, in saying this, but it's like, like, uh, hmm. Don't you think it's a problem in society when white people think that they have more privileges than brown or black people? Yeah, and I think that's sort of the agenda that's pushed off because personally, it's like, not that I think I'm more privileged than anyone else because I had to work to get where I was. And that's like the- So why do you have that mentality immediately where you, you know, kind of apologize to me? Like, let's talk about privilege. Let's talk about, I'm a white man in America, so we could have grown up differently. Got you. Why, why is that your first initial reaction to me as a brown woman? Wow, you're getting me good. See, these are the kind of conversations that I love having. Um, and. I think it comes from a place of like, uh, I wouldn't say caution, but like in this day and age, people are so quick to judge and react and cancel. And so I guess it's that, that like caution to go into an interview like this. I'm like, I, I don't know where we're at, but now I know where we're at and I can like uh, go for real. Savannah, you are young. You undoubtedly have a long, illustrious career ahead of you, but like it might not get better than that. It is so perfect <laughs> what you did there. Your response, the way you asked the questions and the way that he actually went with you along that ride. I mean, are you finding that basically all of these kids at these schools when you go just don't know and if you can pull that initial thread that the rest happens pretty organically? Absolutely. I mean, we can even reverse the roles. I've talked to minority students who've talked to me about white privilege and all of the privileges that white men are awarded to to, the, to them that, you know, are not given to us minority women or just minority people in, gen, in general. And when you reverse it, I get the exact same response where it's just like a long pause of silence. And these students are like, well, I can't explain to you what privileges white men have, but I know that they have them and I have to go now. And then they end up running away from me. So, uh, you know, whether it's a white student that I'm interviewing or a minority student, 
Nobody knows what privileges are awarded, but this is a continuous talking point. And I'm just absolutely tired of it, which is why I finally pushed back. And we weren't even talking about white privilege. I was talking to students about trans women and uh, International Women's Day. But of course, because I am brown, when I do talk to white students, white privilege is something that consistently comes up and I'm absolutely tired of it. So, uh, you know, I always take the opportunity to help these students critically think because our entire education system uh, teaches them to do the exact opposite opposite of that. And again, I still haven't gotten an answer as to what privileges a Dave Rubin or a Peter Lloyd have that I do not, especially in the United States of America. <laughs> Peter, Peter, speaking of white privilege, you're white and you're British. That's like as white as it possibly gets, <laughs> short of you eating yeah. white bread while you were on this show right now. What, what do you make of all of these kids who have been brainwashed? Like that kid, he obviously, he was a thoughtful person and I don't even want the video to go viral to make fun of him because he, he did the right thing, right? He was confronted with truth right. and hopefully he evolved, which is what you want from everybody. But what is it about all of these kids, this generation that has led them to this place of, of unearned guilt? Well, I mean, I think, you're absolutely right. And he was very graceful in how he acted with that interview. And I was actually, I was quite full of admiration for him, really, because even though what he was spouting was complete nonsense, um, it wasn't really his fault because he's mm -hmm. symptomatic of a system which has actively been brainwashing people for decades. I mean, it's known as the long march through the institutions. Academia was taken over many, many decades ago. And this is the result. This young man who is on this video is absolutely representative of how successful this march through the institutions has been. These people who are often very intelligent, they no longer think critically, they just recite the woke mantra. And that's so evident because as soon as Savannah pushed, why, why do you believe that? What privileges do you have that I don't? He couldn't answer them. Yeah, it's just so beautiful when you confront them and then they fold you know, quicker than a wet paper bag and then hopefully- I mean, I have- he... Go ahead. Right, I have, to, I have to say, like, you know, round of applause to Susanna for that video because that, that was a, a glorious, glorious moment. And I have to say, it, it reaffirmed my, my glimmer of faith in journalism. Well, it's a nice Thank way to you. kick Thank off the show because we're gonna be focusing on why this woke ideology and diversity, equity, inclusion, and all of this unearned guilt, it's not just bad because of what it's doing to college kids, but it's leaking out into society and quite literally causing banks to, to melt down. So the big story, of course, this week uh, was Silicon uh, Valley Bank going down and thus being bailed out by the government. But now we're finding out that there's all sorts of bad stuff attached to this thing. Uh, here's a tweet from the post-millennial. You guys know how I feel about that guy. Uh, Gavin Newsom praised Biden's bailout of SVB, uh, but omitted the fact that his wine companies and his personal accounts all use Silicon Valley Bank. We've got a little bit more from the Daily Wire. Newsom praised the Biden administration on Sunday after the federal government announced that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, would cover all the depositor losses from the Silicon Valley Bank collapse. The bailout was a surprise for SVB's largest depositors as FDIC insurance is guaranteed to cover only $250,000 per account. Newsom said that the FDIC's decision would have profoundly uh, would have profoundly positive impacts on California businesses, but he failed to mention that his own wineries may stand to benefit from the FDIC's unusual action, according to The Intercept. 
Newsom owned wineries, Cade, Odette, and Plumpjack, all banked with SVB, and each was at risk of losing its deposit if it held over the $250,000 threshold in a single account. Newsom also kept personal accounts at the failed bank, a source told The Intercept. Governor Newsom's business and financial holdings are held and managed by a blind trust, as they have been since he was first elected in 2018, a Newsom spokesman told The Intercept in an email. I mean, Savannah, this should not surprise us at all, right? I mean, first off, that he would, you know, he's got millions and millions of dollars invested in these wineries. He personally is worth, I think, probably around 20 million. Can we try to get a number on that? Um, But that he was lobbying for the government to bail out his bank. It just shouldn't surprise us, right? Like, there's nothing that should surprise us. You know, nothing that Gavin Newsom does surprises me. He is one of the most corrupt politicians that we have. Uh, I, I love to remember the days during COVID when he kept his entire state locked down and forced yep. everyone to wear a face mask while he was whining and dining with his friends while stopping people from, you know, going and visiting their loved ones in the hospital. So he's kept that same energy throughout the years where it's like, oh, I'm going to be saved. I'm going to ha- live my life and I'm going to get the bailouts and do whatever I want. Good luck to everybody else. By the way, you're going to pay for my bad policies and the bad policies that my party pushes. Um, going to SVB, I believe they also donated $73 million or some crazy number like that to Black Lives Matter and other mm-hmm. social programs. And again, we have to ask the question, who is paying for these bailouts? That's right. Us, the American taxpayers. It's an absolute joke. This administration has run this entire country into the ground. And this is a direct result of diversity, equity and inclusion. It's an absolute joke. And you can look at the diversity hires that are currently in the White House, like Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris. (laughs) Pete, by the way, I confronted in East Palestine for his horrific response to the people of Ohio who Mm -hmm. were impacted by that toxic train derailment. Why is it that we have such slow response from this government? Why is it that when Joe Biden comes out and says the banking system is safe we all automatically know in fact that the banking system is not safe this is again this administration is a joke and as a minority woman i don't even like that label but that's the one society tries to push on me I reject this, okay, the the DEI nonsense, because look at what just happened at Stanford as well the other day. You had the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer of Stanford pushing back against the First Amendment and constitutional rights at a law school. So uh, again, too, I know I just gave a broad range of examples, but understand just how much this has infiltrated every single aspect of our society, and we, the American people, are dealing with the direct consequence of that. Yeah, well said, and that's exactly why I set up the show the way we did this week, because I think still, for whatever reason, a lot of people still think, oh no, it's just happening on college campuses, and a weird weird selection of purple-haired kids will get out into the real world and things will be different. But Peter, I don't know if you saw this, but at SVB Bank, they had a uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion department of many, many people, (laughs) and they were focused on those programs. They only had a chief risk officer for about three months. And then you wonder, why is it that they were investing in all of these highly risky companies and the bankrupt and the company basically went bankrupt? Shocking, right? Right. Right. And that risk manager, she was busy off creating a lesbian visibility day (laughs) and something to do with Black Lives Matter. I mean, you know, because the very first thing I think of when I go into a bank and deposit money is, you know, 
how diverse is it here? How many black disabled lesbians are behind behind the desk? And, you know, what are you doing to mark certain days of the year? It, it's so ludicrous. And quite frankly, the bank deserves to collapse. There should have been no federal intervention at all, um, not least because it's going to benefit a very, very small minority of Californians under Gavin Newsom's power. So mm -hmm. it, it should have been allowed to just collapse and go away. But, you know, maybe... I don't know. I, I, for one, was completely surprised that Gavin Newsom did, did, uh, did this because it was like, you know, OK, he was the guy who dined at French Laundry without the mask while mandating everyone else. And OK, he was the guy who had the affair with his aide's wife. And OK, he's a pathological liar. But we should really believe him now because he was just acting in the best interests of, of Californians. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Well, isn't, isn't that Democrat privilege more than anything else, right? We always talk about privilege in this country. I keep arguing there's one privilege. It's Democrat privilege. You can ruin everything. You can wreck every institution you're part of. You can do all of the wrong things. And just as in Gavin Newsom's case, you will get, go from mayor to governor. And the guy's got his eyes on the White House, obviously, Savannah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, this is something that I've seen in my own career as a journalist, right? I have worked as hard as I can to go out on the street, cover these stories, and just tell the American people the truth. And as a direct result of that, I was censored by Twitter, I was silenced, and I was written off as a fascist Nazi by left-wing progressives. Meanwhile, all of the people on the left, like the CNN and MSNBC pundits, who continue to lie to the American people, are propped up by society, are told... Uh, you know, we're, we're all told that they are the arbiters of truth, that everything that they see is incredible and amazing. So uh, we see this this same pattern, right, whether it's in politics, media, uh, corporate mm. America, the more left liberal and progressive you are, uh, the higher up your trajectory is for your career. But again, our entire society is facing the direct consequence of that because we have people who have no ability to be in the positions that they are uh, leading our country right now. It's why we have a sitting sense that is currently hospitalized right now. It, it, where is John Fetterman? Why is it that it's now okay for politicians who clearly are, you know, mentally or physically not healthy enough to actually hold their positions in leadership positions? Why? How did we get to this point? And nobody's asking about Fetterman, which is incredible. It's like literally nobody's asking, which reminds me, remember a couple months ago when Joe Biden out of nowhere said that he had cancer and then everyone was like, no, no, it's not that he has cancer, it's that he has dementia. It's like we ask so little of these people. Uh, Peter, quick, before we move on, Savannah, how long were you banned for? Because you, you had a long ban on Twitter. How long was that for you? Two years. Wow, you, you should have stayed off to be quite frank. But Peter, you were also <laughs> banned. You were banned for how long yourself? Yeah, I was in the gulag for 18 months. 18 months, two years. I got to tell you guys, you probably were happier, quite frankly. Yeah, probably. Um, just, just one quick thing, Dave, before we move on, talking yep. about the Democrat privilege. It's so evident in how the media have reacted to this revelation, because if you look at LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, New York Times, none of them have even touched on um, you know, his, Newsom's conflict of interest here with the wineries. They've all completely ignored it. And you have loads of people on Twitter who are already leaping to his defense. If this were DeSantis, and this was a story based in Florida, you can bank on the fact that there would be outrage and yeah, pun intended there, but it's true. I mean, the, the contrast in how these people would be treated is massive and it just proves Democrat privilege. Right, I mean, do you think that even if it wasn't DeSantis, let's say it was Trump Jr., so not even Trump himself, but if Trump Jr. had money in a winery, 
and then Trump lobbied for the bank to get the bailout. You think that perhaps right. we'd be in a slightly different situation. Uh, one final thought on this, we checked the numbers. Uh, Gavin's worth a cool 22 million. So he did have a bunch to lose and his reign of terror will continue. But let's keep going with uh, California because man, it is insane in California. <laughs> They're going for reparations in San Francisco. We've got some info here from NBC. Payments of $5 million to every eligible black adult, the elimination of personal debt and tax burdens, guaranteed annual incomes of at least $97,000 for 250 years and homes in San Francisco for just $1. These were some of the more than 100 recommendations made by a city-appointed reparations committee tasked with the thorny question of how to atone for centuries of slavery and systemic racism. And the San Francisco Board of Supervisors hearing the report for the first time Tuesday voiced enthusiastic support for the ideas listed with some saying money should not stop the city from doing the right thing. You gotta <laughs> love that. The draft reparations plan released in December is unmatched nationwide in its specificity and breadth. The committee hasn't done an analysis of the cost of the proposals, but critics have slammed the plan as financially and politically impossible. An estimate from Stanford University's Hoover Institution, which leans conservative, has said it would cost each non-black family in the city at least $600,000. Peter, I know you live in another country, thousands of miles away from San Francisco, but how much will you personally put in? You'll chip in a little something so that uh, a young black man in San Francisco can get ahead in the world, I assume. Yeah, no, no, I won't. I'll stiff him, I'm afraid. You know, I'll, I'll just point to the Barbary slave trade and say, well, hey, you know, millions of, of white Europeans were, were captured and used as slaves all across North Africa between the 16th and 18th century. So let's just call it quits with the whole reparations thing. I mean, it's, it's laughable. Your representatives in California must be cooking and, and smoking meth because it's absolutely crazy over there. I mean, I, I was looking at it before and I was thinking, if this actually goes ahead, and given that it's California, it might do, the state is going to be on an, ex, on an express train to becoming America's first failed state. And I don't say that lightly. There's already a $22 billion deficit. You know, Newsom's off, off the charts. Um, people are leaving in droves. The taxes are sky high. If you're going to start forcing non-Black families to pay out $600,000 or whatever the Hoover Institute suggested, it's going to absolutely bankrupt the state. And then that will in turn affect the rest of Western civilization. It's absurd. Slavery was terrible. We all, we all acknowledge that. We all appreciate it was wrong. It ended. White people ended slavery. And, you know, like I said before, it was part of the Barbary slave trade. White people were also victims of slavery. So if, if you're going to have reparations, where do you draw the line? Why do we stop at black people? Let's go back to the very beginning of the supply chain because it wasn't white people gathering up black people and putting them in cages. It was African kings and it was the African elite. They were selling their own people. So if you really want to get reparations, let's go right back to the source and get it from them. Savannah, isn't it also just an, a misunderstanding of human nature? Like the idea that you can give people something because of something that didn't happen to them, it maybe happened to their ancestors, maybe. And also because they don't believe in IDs in California, how are we gonna prove any of this? But the idea that you could hand them a certain amount of money and then psychologically they'd be like, 
okay, we're good to go. Thanks. <laughs> Won't need anything else. Really appreciate it. It just doesn't, it doesn't pass a basic psych 101 snuff test. Absolutely. And a couple of points that I want to make here. There was never slavery in California. Why are we forcing people who never owned slaves to pay reparation to people who have never been slaves? That makes zero sense. Also, go walk the streets of San Francisco. Yeah, I've yeah. done it. Dave, you've done it. Peter, yep. if you haven't done it, don't do it. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see people smoking fentanyl. You're going to see people defecating in the street. You're going to see children walking past tent cities where there are open drug deals, okay? I have walked through San Francisco. I have reported on their drug and homeless crisis, and I promise you that there are so many other things that the city of San Francisco can be investing in, like making their city streets safe. But what do they continue to do? They continue to invest funding that they do not have because, you know, the government does this great thing where they think that you can just print money and keep printing it out and then, uh, you know, give it out. You can give $5 million there, $5 million here. And uh, that's just how money works. Absolutely not. Again, this falls on the American taxpayer. Uh, so just like that article stated, this is not even financially feasible. And to the point of giving, you know, a, a black American $5 million, our education system does not even teach Americans how to properly handle money. So guess what? You can give $5 million to somebody. Yeah. And if that person has no idea how to use money, guess what? They're going to be broke in a, another couple of years. I think that's the reality of it. Our education system doesn't teach young Americans how taxes work, how credit works, how money works in any way, shape or form. So you truly can take somebody in poverty, give them a million dollars. And a couple of years later, they could very well be poor again because money is a tool that we do not teach the American individual how to use. For the record, yeah, here I'm in the free state of Florida, we are teaching financial literacy right now. DeSantis job, just signed that. So it's a little bit, a little bit different here in Florida than it is in Cali. Peter, go ahead. I was just going to say, let's also not pretend that this that this policy won't be abused because it will, it will do. If, if this is brought in, you're going to have a lot of Rachel Dolezals in the future moving <laughs> to California. I tell you, you're going to have a lot of people pretending to be black in the hope of getting five million dollars. I mean, hell, I'd like five million dollars. Maybe I should consider it. Peter, right. Jimmy Peter. Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel might go back in blackface just to see what kind of cash I mean, he look, could get. Right, Jimmy did it, Justin Trudeau did blackface. I mean, they got away with it. Maybe, you know, the rest of us could focus and change it. Also, here, though, also, I, I do want to correct your terminology really quickly here, though, um, because you said pretending to be black. Please, they're identifying as black because you can identify as whatever you want now in the modern day. OK, thank, thank you. I know yeah. Media yeah. Matters watches the show every day and they're just waiting for one of us to say something wrong. It's so just important. incredible. Also, just one other thing on this. I mean, the, the resentment that it would cause, even if you believed it could work, even if the money was there, all of that stuff, the resentment that it would cause uh, the average white or Asian person, say, or Hispanic person living in San Francisco when their neighbor suddenly is driving a Bentley and living in a sick house on the top of the hill and it's because of the money they put in, they're actually going to create racism. So it's just, it's just endless. But speaking of endless, uh, it's not just California. In Minnesota, this was just, my God. If you have a frying pan, hit yourself in the head right now. Uh, Minnesota Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, uh, listen to her defending sex changes for minors. Because let's be clear, this is life-affirming and life-saving healthcare. When our children tell us who they are, it is our job as grown-ups to listen and to believe them. 
That's what it means to be a good parent. You know that meme from Billy Madison, everything that, oh, you got a frying pan. That was, <laughs> that was very, I don't know how you got to the kitchen that quickly. The size of a flat in London these days, I'll tell you. Um, everything she said there was complete insane. It's not affirming care to chop someone's genitals off. Peter, you've talked an awful lot about this. Go ahead. Yeah, it's staggering. And what's really worrying is that this debate just doesn't seem to be making any headway. I mean, how can anybody justify allowing minors whose frontal lobes aren't even fully formed yet to make life-changing decisions about their bodies? It's absolutely astonishing. And it, it, it's proof that mission creep can become really, really dangerous. You know, we're now at the point where we're allowing minors to make horrendous decisions without giving them the information that they truly need. Studies have shown that most people who identify as trans when they're teenagers are actually just gay mm -hmm. and they grow out of that phase and they they are so thankful that they didn't have any surgery. Um, why would we be encouraging, given that data, why would we be encouraging people to do the opposite, to indulge in something that they don't really know anything about? It's it's staggering and it's a dereliction of duties really, I think, for, for anybody who's who's got children or young people in their lives. Yeah, Savannah, the line where she says that children tell us who they are and it's our job in effect to support them. Uh, you guys know, I, I have a seven-month-old and a five-month-old downstairs. My job is to protect them from the people that would do them harm and, the prote and to protect them from the confusions of the world and all of those things. Not when they're five years old and tell me that they're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle to, to go and buy them a, a shell or something. Or that wasn't the greatest reference ever, but you got the point. It's just, they just get everything backwards, right? Absolutely, and I mean, even, I'm not sure if this story was true or not, but you can use the example of, okay, let's say a child identifies as a cat. Do we then put a litter box in the bathroom for them? <laughs> no, we do not. We tell that child, hey, it's fun to play pretend, but you're actually a little boy or a little girl. Children are very uh, vulnerable, right? That's why we have laws in place to protect children. That is why we have to teach children uh, about certain things. And that is why your education system right now is being, I guess, overtaken by the LGBTQ community because they do wanna teach children these things when they're very young so it can become a normalized thing for them. And you know, a question that I do wanna go on the, on the street and start asking older individuals is, hey, when you went to school in the 80s and 90s, was transgenderism this rampant? Were there trans children? Were there mm -hmm. this many trans kids in high school even? Because this really does seem like a very recent phenomenon that is a direct result of our education system that has been infiltrated. So no, as a parent, it is not your job to listen to your child and just believe whatever they say. If your child mm. says, oh, I, I love this adult. I think that he's great. I want to go marry him. Are, would you let your child do that? No, absolutely not. So why are you going to go let your child have a life-altering surgery, gender mutilation or genital mutilation, where they could potentially become infertile for the rest of their life? We need to protect children. And the fact that as a society, we cannot come together and agree on this very simple mm. topic is, is really devastating, honestly. And, well, and also, by the way, Savannah, it's, what you're saying is not just anecdotal. Abigail Schreier wrote an absolutely spectacular book called Irreversible damage where she goes into the data about how this is a social contagion of mm -hmm. modern times, especially when it comes to young girls, uh, you know, quote unquote, transitioning to boys. But since we're already on this, I've been wanting to play this clip for a long time. When I was young, I wanted to be Soundwave. Soundwave was a Decepticon. He was a transformer, not a transsexual. I wanted to be Soundwave and we found the Soundwave clip for you. So this is gratuitous for me, but enjoy. 
Tron has, how shall we say, departed, I nominate myself as the new leader! Wait! The Constructicons form Devastator, the most powerful robot! We should rule! Soundwave superior, Constructicons inferior. Who are you calling inferior? Nobody would follow an uncharismatic boar like you! Hey, nobody calls Soundwave uncharismatic! Nobody calls Soundwave unchrasmatic. <laughs> Peter, if my parents, if I had said to my parents, I want to be Soundwave, and they chopped my arm off and put a piece of an old cassette player, that would have been abuse, wouldn't it have been? Right, and I have, I have an interesting anecdotal story, actually, because when I was younger, my best friend at the time was gay, and I remember him saying to me, right, we were only about eight years old, and he knew he was gay even at that age, and he said to me, right, um, I've realized what I'm going to do is when I, I'll, I'll probably live to 80. So when I get to 40, I'm going to live the first half of my life as a man. And then I'm going to have a sex change. And then I'm going to live the second half of my life as a woman. Wow. Uh, and then that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to deal with my life. And he was uh, quite serious about it. He was a very smart eight-year-old. Um, and it was only later on when he became an adult and we were talking about it in the pub. And he said, I am so thankful that I didn't have access to that power to change my body in that way, because I would have been devastated. I know he, he said, I love being a man. I would not want to be a woman. I'm simply a gay man. And I'm really pleased I didn't make such a big choice, even though I really felt the urge and I felt like I was correct when I was a youngster. And that really struck me as, as illuminating for a lot of young people in this situation, because that is essentially the truth. That, that is the common story that happens with most of these people. They're not yeah. trans, they're just gay. Yeah, and as Jordan Peterson often talks about, even if you fully acknowledge that the, the mental state of a trans person, that they, you know, that some percentage of people genuinely 100% believe they are in the wrong body, the idea that you can alter your body and somehow your problems are gonna go away on the other side after all of the money and all of the surgeries and all of the hormone therapy and all of those things, that you're gonna look exactly the way you wanna look and be able to find the partner who, you know, is just right for you and all of those things, it's probably a pipe dream in and of itself. But there are some sane voices on this. There was a tweet by Elon Musk that I thought was quite, this was in response to the video uh, of the Minnesota Attorney General, that video that we showed you. Uh, he wrote, not when they're uh, fed propaganda by adults. Moreover, every child goes through an identity crisis before their personality slash identity crystallizes. Therefore, we shouldn't allow severe, irreversible surgery or sterilizing drugs that they may regret until at least the age of 18. So Savannah, that's at least somewhat refreshing, right? We do have some voices pushing back against this stuff. Although as Peter said, it seems like it just keeps going and going and going. Absolutely, it is very refreshing to see this. And I'm glad that we have the ability to share the truth on Twitter again. Thank you, Elon Musk, for that. Because now I am starting to see more and more posts, photos, and videos of what transition surgery really does look like for young men and young women. And mm. it, it's not a pretty thing at all. If you look at a double mastectomy and you look at a young girl mm. who recently had her breast chopped off, it, it looks very horrific. It looks like something we should not be advocating for in society at at all. It looks like the work of a mad scientist, if you will. And again, too, I when I was younger, I didn't want to have kids. I was like, ew, being a mom, that sounds horrible. Uh, should I have 
the de- have had the decision when I was 16 years old to go get my entire uterus taken out because right. when I was a teenager, I didn't maybe want to have kids. Now I want to have children. And just like Peter talked about with his friend when he was younger, he, he had this thought process. He went through this phase. And as an adult, because if I'm correct, I believe your brain isn't fully developed until you're about 25 years old. When your brain fully develops and then you realize what you actually want in life, you're very grateful that you weren't able to make these life-altering decisions. So uh, again, it's so horrific to me that not only can children go and get these gender quote unquote reaffirming surgeries, but on top of that, we now have parents that are capitalizing on their on their children's confusion and putting them up on mm. TikTok and platforming little boys in makeup and dresses and having them repeat this propaganda that they have been taught by their parents. I know that that in some ways is the sickest part of this. When you see the parents putting these videos of the kids up there, you know, little boys dressed as girls and the parents are clearly doing it again, partly because of the social contagion element. It's just to get likes and retweets and the rest of it. But let's continue because the theme of this whole week and I guess maybe this whole year and perhaps the rest of our lives will be that there are just a series of liars who lie about absolutely everything. Most of them are in the mainstream media or work at our institutions. And uh, Joe Scarborough over at the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, (laughs) he had Fauci on. And Fauci, I, I keep saying it, I cannot believe this guy has not just disappeared. Like, dude, you were the highest paid guy in the federal government. You're getting the highest pension of anyone in the government. Even if you think you did a good job, just go away for a while, but he can't (laughs) stop. He's addicted to the media. And uh, here is Fauci on Joe Scarborough yesterday. Right, and, and, and it's ever evolving and evolving very quickly. It's just like vaccines. People will still go, ah, you, you, you got COVID even though you got a vaccine. Well, we didn't, we didn't know. None of us knew. You didn't know exactly how those vaccines would impact the virus. Um, but we've learned quite a few things about the vaccines, too. There's a very resilient virus. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very durable right. virus, and, and, and it, it morphs very Scary. quickly. So, so develop a vaccine, and it still helps in a positive way, but it doesn't wipe out COVID. Can you explain what we've learned about vaccines yeah. over the last two years? Well, there's one very, very obvious fact that is borne up by very solid data. Joe, we know that if you compare unvaccinated people with vaccinated people with regard to hospitalizations and death, there is an overwhelming and dramatic difference of a greater likelihood of hospitalization and death among the unvaccinated. And as the months went by, if you compare vaccinated but not up to date with boosters, with people who are totally up to date on boosters, there's still a difference in the sense of vaccinated and updated boosted people do much better with regard to severity of disease. That's an open and shut case. There's no doubt about that. that vac- Actually, there is a lot of doubt about that. There are no studies that prove what he just said right there. He keeps saying it over and over. And this is what every celebrity and every politician kept saying when they would get COVID after they got vaxxed and boosted. I'm just so happy I got vaxxed and boosted because I have lesser COVID. There are no studies on that. And Robert Malone, who's the inventor and owns more patents on mRNA technology than anyone, he believes that the the vaccines are actually degrading people's immune systems, which is why we're getting this resurgence in shingles and a whole bunch of other usually dormant diseases that a lot of people have. So he made that up. Notice he doesn't reference the study. He doesn't tell you any of the numbers but he keeps showing up. Savannah, 
he just keeps showing up and we should just expect he's just going to keep showing up. Dr. Fauci is one of the biggest criminals that I have ever seen in my life. And the fact that he's not in jail right now is horrific because to be quite honest with you, the way that he handled uh, information to the American people over the past two years was horrific. And again, he really did put so many people's lives at risk by stopping preventative treatments because he wanted to wait for the vaccine. Yep. And again, too, you can go look at the FDA fact sheet that was updated for the Moderna vaccine that says that myocarditis and pericarditis are indeed a side effect of this vaccination. For some mm -hmm. reason, we're barely hearing in the media that, hey, heart effects are an issue. You can go look at countries that have the highest vaccination rate, like Australia or New Zealand, and you can see that they're having an unusual uptick in deaths for some reason. And we can't just we can't put our finger on why that is. We've had so many doctors come forward and speak out against Dr. Fauci and what happened. They were silenced and they were censored. There were nine new billionaires that were created uh, via the covid pandemic in the big pharma industry. So it is very clear to see who profited off of this product. It was not the American people who benefited from it. If anything, we're facing the consequence. And, you know, I do a lot of street work and I like talking to my fellow Americans. And one of the things that I have heard the most is the side effects of this vaccination as people regretting mm. getting this vaccination. People upset that the government never talked about natural immunity. The government never talked about going to the gym. In fact, they shut gyms down. Yep. They said, hey, if you're obese, don't worry about it. You're not more at risk risk for COVID when in fact it was over 70% of the people that were hospitalized and put on ventilators were morbidly obese. So if our government actually cared about our health, they would be talking about supplements going out in the sun, going and working out, preventative treatments that we could have uh, you know, taken for COVID-19 before the vaccine was even available. And they gave none of that to the people because they don't actually care about our health. Newsflash there for the audience. <laughs> Thank you for the newsflash. Yeah, quite literally vitamin D it now turns out is one of the biggest benef beneficial things that you can do if you have COVID or before you get COVID. And they literally were locking us in our houses. Peter, I know a lot of this stuff is anecdotal, but, but I think if we don't talk about the anecdotal stuff, we end up only listening to the quote unquote experts. I was at a party, a family party in New York about two months ago. Every single person there was vaxxed. Every single person mm -hmm. except me. Virtually everyone got COVID except for me. Should I be studied uh, by Anthony Fauci as some sort of superhero and they should take my blood and replicate it across the world? Absolutely. I, I think maybe you are that superhero you wanted to be when you were a boy, Dave. Yeah. I think maybe that has happened. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, Fauci is not going anywhere. He's going to be around for a very long time. And I think that is why it's so important that we continue to have these kind of conversations on, on this show and on similar shows. Um, you, you only have to look back a few months. It wasn't so long ago that some of the world's most eminent doctors were being censored and banned on Twitter, the public town square, for questioning the vaccines. That wasn't so long ago. It's almost within reach. So we can't make Fauci go away. But now with Elon at the head of Twitter, we at least have a space to have a more balanced dialogue. And that's important because that information can get out to people. And give them more freedom of choice. Yeah, and piggybacking off that, the other thing you can do is you can move to a state that is going to protect your ability to make medical decisions for yourself. We used to have something, there was a whole movement, I'm not that old, I remember a whole movement, my body, my choice, until they wanted to stick you with things yeah. endlessly. Uh, but right here in the free state of Florida, yeah, we're gonna keep protecting people and not force anyone to do anything. Uh, here is Governor Ron DeSantis talking a bit about that. 
how many of these jabs are you going to take? You know, you, you, the traditional vaccine, you know, you take, you take a shot. There may be sometimes there'd be booster, but you wouldn't be taking them every six months. I mean, this is a very new thing. Um, and it was just, it got to the point where to kind of cover up the lack of efficacy, they would do things like someone with these politicians, they would, they would do, do the jabs, then they'd get COVID, you know, three months later. And they would like tweet out, I have just been diagnosed with COVID-19. I am so thankful that I am vaccinated against COVID. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, if you took the measles vaccine and then got measles the next year, you would be upset that it didn't work. You wouldn't be thanking the MNR shot. So it's just, uh, it's just incredible. Peter, one of the things I always talk about on the show is that when you hear someone telling the truth, it's just refreshing. Like you feel better because I think the truth is so, it is such a, an integral piece to humanity that you know it, it literally has a physiological effect on you. And that's what I feel when I'm listening to someone tell the truth versus Fauci, you're sitting there like, you just feel this, well, now I feel really a hatred towards him at this point, uh, but the truth, it will set us free, will it not? Right, absolutely. And there is something primitive within us that recognizes truth. It's part of our survival mechanism. And like, like I said before, that is why it's so important that shows like yours and people like you still have these honest conversations, even when you've got big pharma and the, the rigged media working against it. It's really crucial. In fact, it might be more crucial than ever to, to stay honest and operate on fact regarding this issue. I mean, people literally dying it's hugely important. It doesn't get much bigger than this. Savannah, I'm gonna give you the last word, but before I do, I wanted to mention that uh, I believe it was yesterday's show. It might've been on Wednesday. We actually got our first ever fact check from the United <laughs> Nations because I questioned climate change. So they put an official climate change fact check under our live stream from the United Nations. And if the United Nations thinks you're a bad guy, to me, you're probably a good guy. So I feel pretty good about that. Savannah, just bring us home on, on the basic idea of how do we break through the nonsense. Fauci, MSNBC, it's not gonna stop, but some people will be fighting for truth. And to me, that's why I keep playing so many clips of DeSantis. It's like, he's doing the best job at that at the moment. Definitely. Well, the way, the way we break through is by going to alternative media sources. And uh, did the UN fact check you because you brought up Greta Thunberg's tweet that she uh, deleted from <laughs> she, five years right. ago, where she said that we were all going to be dead by now, that yep. top climate scientists were saying that if we don't get climate change under control in five years, we were all going to be gone. That was five years ago, by the way. Is that why you got that fact check, Dave? Uh, again, too, that's why people <laughs> gravitate to alternative media, to uh, platforms like Twitter, because they know that they can find find the truth there. They know that they can, uh, you know, mm. look for alternative voices that are actually going to have the courage to tell them the truth, have the uh, courage not to be paid off by big pharma, by all of these corporations and actually say, hey, we have a problem in society. Let's go ahead and fix it. And let's fight for our constitutional rights. Let's fight for our truth. So I'm happy that you have the audience that you do. They're all clearly free thinkers. And, uh, you know, that's the best way we break through. Also, be a part of your community. Go out and have co hard conversations with people and really try to go and, uh, you know, speak to your fellow American, maybe try to do what I did with this UT student mm -hmm. and just ask those critical questions and have people start mm. thinking for themselves as to why they think the way that they do. Savannah, you know how to end the show. That was mwah, chef's kiss. Thank uh, you. You, both, you both were absolutely spectacular. I'd love to have you guys back. I'm going to continue at rubenreport.locals.com right now for subscribers only. So if you want to join us over there, feel free. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see everybody else on Monday. Thanks. Where the hell are we?
What are we doing? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.